0: this is going to be an overview of chapter one out of the purple book, um, which covers anatomy. So these are just my random notes that I put down um, as I was going through the questions. So I'm not going to review the questions themselves, but just information uh, that I received from them. So the quadrigia phenomenon. The patient exhibits a flexion contracture of the involved digit and a decreased amount of flexion force in the adjacent digits. This is caused by an FDP repair if the FDP is advanced more than one centimeter, resulting in limited proximal excursions of the remaining FDPs. So, in other words, the quadrigia phenomenon, you will see this after an FDP repair. And basically the patient tries to make a fist and let's say it's the middle finger FDP. So the um, patient tries to make a fist, but then the adjacent digits um, like the ring finger uh, cannot make a, cannot flex as much because the FDP repair of the middle finger has been advanced more than one centimeter. So, therefore, the ring finger FDP is all the way um, on slack at that point and can't pull anymore. Uh, lumbrical cool plus phenomenon this is where the patient attempts to contract the FDP, but instead the lumbrical cool is pulled proximal, resulting in PIP and DIP extension rather than flexion. So again, the lumbrical plus phenomenon, basically you have the patient attempt to make a fist. However, instead of them making a fist, the lumbricals take over. And remember lumbricals, they um, do MCP flexion and PIP extension. So it goes into that um, intrinsic plus position. And this is known as the lumbrical plus phenomenon. EGOWA sign. This is an indicator of an ulnar nerve and interosseous muscle paralysis. The patient is able to flex the middle finger, but not able to deviate it radially or ulnarly. So in other words, with the agawa sign, the patient cannot cross the fingers of um, the middle finger. And um, this is indicative of an ulnar nerve injury due to interosseous muscle paralysis. Lindbergh sign is an anatomic interconnection of the FPL and the FDP of the index finger. Whereas you have Lindbergh syndrome, which is different from the sign, Lindbergh syndrome is pain over the radiopalmer aspect of the distal form and thumb that increases with activity. So again, the Lindbergh sign is an anatomic interconnection of the FPL and the FDP of the index finger. Whereas Lindbergh syndrome is pain over the radial aspect of the distal forearm and thumb that increases with activity. So think of like Lindbergh's syndrome syndrome is something is wrong. So you're going to have pain something is wrong syndrome. Structures that pass through the Guyon's canal include the ulnar nerve and the ulnar artery. The structures that form the anatop- anatomical snuff box is the scaphoid, the EPL, the APL, and the EPB. Scapular muscles used for reaching overhead include the serratus anterior and the upper trapezius. The serratus anterior, the insertion, is the lateral inferior angle of the scapula, and the motion it performs, again, is upward rotates the scapula during elevation of the humerus. The upper trapezius, the insertion is the acromion process, and the motion is assisting with upward scapular rotation with shoulder flexion. So, again, If a patient is reaching overhead, the scapular muscles that are activated is the serratus anterior and the upper trapezius. Carpal tunnel. The 10 structures that pass through the carpal tunnel include the median nerve, all four FDPs, all four FDSs, and the FPL. The transverse carpal ligament attachment sites include the scaphoid, trapezium, pisiform, and hook of a hamate. So again, the carpal tunnel has 10 structures that pass through the median nerve, the four FDPs, the four FDSs, and the FPL. The transverse carpal ligament attaches, or the attachment sites of the transverse carpal ligament include the scaphoid, trapezium, pisiform, and hookupamate. The scaphoid lunate ligament complex is a volar and dorsal ligamentous portion and a central membranous portion. You can have DC or VC. This is where you have the scaphoid lunate and tracretum. So the SL ligament, um, the scaphoid likes to go down, and the tricretrum likes to go up so the lunate kind of keeps these guys together well the lunate is promiscuous so it's going to go with whatever person it's attached to so if the there is a scaphoid lunate ligament tear then the lunate is going to go dorsally with the tricretrum. so then you're going to have a dc but if there is an LT tear, then the lunate is gonna go with the scaphoid. So it's going to drop volarly and you will have a VC. To check for stability, you can do a scaphoid shift test. This is where you perform radial and ulnar deviation while the therapist is stabilizing the scaphoid. A positive scaphoid shift test, you will hear a loud clunk. For a PIP flexion contracture, this is typically multifactorial. The check rein ligaments are the primary cause along with involvement of collateral ligaments in the volar plate. So again, a PIP flexion contracture, the primary cause is, are going to be the check rein ligaments, and, but also you'll have involvement of the collateral ligaments in the volar plate. And static progressive splinting or serial casting is preferred over dynamic. A static splint allows tissues to relax in a lengthened position, whereas dynamic is persistent dynamic forces does not allow tissue to relax at any point, causing microfibril injury within the collagen fibers, inflammation, and eventually increased stiffness. The extensor tendon compartments, there are six of them. We're gonna talk about the structures that are in each one. So in the first extensor tendon compartment, you're gonna have the APL and the EPB. This is gonna be your deck In the second extensor compartment, you will have the ECRL and the ECRB. The third extensor compartment is gonna be the EPL and the fourth is going to be the EDC's and the EIP. The fifth will be the EDM and the sixth is ECU. The ERCB, I'm sorry, ECRB is most efficient wrist extensor. Its origin is the lateral epicondyle and the insertion is the base of the third metacarpal. The prime The ECRB is the primary problem that occurs with lateral epicondylitis. And that's why the middle finger extension test, if there's pain provoked at the lateral epicondyle, this is positive for tennis elbow because the ECRB directly inserts to the base of the metacarpal and it originates at the lateral epicondyle. The ECRL is more efficient as a radial deviator. Another thing that you can do for lateral epicondylitis is called the Cozen's test. The Cozen's test is resisted wrist extension performed first with the elbow bent and then repeated with the elbow extended. A positive Cozen's will be sharp pain at the lateral epicondyle. Trigger finger is where the FDS is inflamed and thickened, causing it to catch at the A1 pulley. Compartment syndrome. This is caused by a crush injury, thermal electrical burns, snake bites, or fracture. The symptoms for compartment syndrome is pain, paresthesia, paralysis, and pulselessness the hand typically assumes intrinsic minus position. Compartment syndrome requires immediate fasciotomy. Martin Gruber anastomosis. This is where the motor fibers of the median nerve and the anterior interosseous nerve communicates with the ulnar nerve trunk and innervates all intrinsic muscles of the hand. Martin Gruber anastomo- anastomosis may be seen with a patient pulsed ulnar nerve laceration that causes FDP of the small finger and ring finger inactive however the intrinsic muscles remain intact and function perfectly so in other words a Martin Gruber Gruber anastomosis is the ring finger and the small finger will not, uh, the, uh, the FDP will not be able to function, but the patient still has the intrinsics active. So this is with an ulnar nerve uh, laceration that, where the motor fibers of the median nerve and the anterior osteitis nerve communicate. So they innervate all the intrinsic muscles of the hand, which is why they're still working. Reche Canoe anastomosis is communication between the deep ulnar branch to the recurrent median thenar branch and results in ulnar innervation of all the thenar muscles. So Martin Gruber is going to innervate all the intrinsic muscles of the hand, but Reche Canoe is going to innervate the thenar muscles and both of these are related with the um, ulnar nerve. The Baritini anastomosis is communication between the ulnar fourth common digital nerve and the median third common digital nerve. A valgus stress test. This is where the clinician is applying force from lateral to medial This the most important stabilizer to valgus stress is the lateral ulnar collateral ligament. This is also known as the medial collateral ligament. The varus stress test is applying force from medial to lateral. This is less common than valgus instability. The lateral collateral ligament prevents varus instability. So valgus Instability is prevented by the lateral ulnar collateral ligament, or the also known as the MCL, and varus instability is prevented from the lateral collateral ligament. The Bouvier test. This is used to determine whether the PIP capsule and extensor mechanism are working normally. The Bouvier test is where the clinician asks the patient to extend the digits and look for MCP hyperextension. Then block the MPJ in slight flexion to see if the IPJs will fully extend in order to correct the claw hand deformity. This is known as the Bouvier test. The TFCC consists of a central disc and a ligamentous support provided by the ECU, the UCL, and the DRUJ ligaments. The brachial artery is the major arterial supply to the forearm and hand. The brachial artery splits into the radial and ulnar arteries distally. Blood vessels require one to two weeks of protection. During the first few weeks after a blood vessel repair, be aware of arterial insufficiency signs. These signs include skin pallor, pol- which means it's white, decreased digital temperature, increased pain, slow capillary refill, cyanosis, and loss of pulse. Cleveland's and Grayson's Ligaments. These ligaments stabilize the digital skin, preventing rotary movements of the skin around the fingers, thus allowing the ability to grasp objects. Vascular structures of the hand include the superficial palmar arch, the deep palmar arch, and the common palmar arteries. Again, vascular structures of the hand include the superficial palmar arch, the deep palmar arch, and the common palmar arteries. So now we're going to talk about muscle innervations with their associated nerve. The palmaris brevis is innervated by the superficial branch of the ulnar nerve. The adductor pollicis is innervated by the deep branch of the ulnar nerve. The abductor pollicis brevis is innervated by the median nerve. The pronator quadratus is innervated by the anterior interosseous nerve. And the extensor indicis proprius is innervated by the posterior interosseous nerve and the brachioradialis is the radial nerve. The AIN and the PIN are both only motor nerves, not sensory. Lumbrical muscles are the only muscles that originate and insert into tendons. They arise from the FDP and insert into the extensor expansion of the digit. Kinebox disease. This is avascular necrosis of the lunate. This is stage four, which is end stage, known as the slack risk or scaphoid lunate advanced collapse. This requires a proximal row carpectomy. Whereas Presser's disease is avascular necrosis of the scaphoid. This requires a four-corner fusion with a scaphoid excision. So for Kinebox, that is avascular necrosis of the lunate, and it requires a carpectomy. And Priser's disease is avascular necrosis of the scaphoid, which requires a four-corner fusion and scaphoid excision. The median nerve compression sites are at the bicipital aponeurosis, the ligament of Struthers, between the heads of the pronator teres, and the carpal tunnel. The ulnar nerve compression sites are the arcade of Struthers, the cubital tunnel, near the FCU, and Guyon's Canal. Radial nerve compression sites is the triceps, the ECRB at the radial tunnel, and the arcade of Frosch. So again, the median nerve compression sites include the bicipital aponeurosis, ligament of Struthers, between the heads of the pronator teres, and the carpal tunnel. Ulnar nerve compression sites include the arcade of Struthers, the cubital tunnel near the FCU, and the Guyon's canal. The radial nerve compression sites include the triceps, the ECRB at the radial tunnel, and the arcade of Frouche. Scaphoid tubercle is the point of convergence when the digits move from extension to full flexion. So, whenever you make a fist, if you look at where your fingers all lead to, your natural cascade is going to lead towards your scaphoid. Glenohumeral joint stability is a combination of dynamic constraint through rotator cuff force and couples and passive constraint through the captoeligmatous structures. The passive structures for glenohumeral joint stability include the labrum, the joint capsule, the superior and inferior glenohumeral ligaments. The scaphoid, the blood supply is distal to proximal, making the proximal pole more prone to necrosis. Scaphoid fractures are at great risk for a non union. We talked about this earlier. Avascular necrosis of the scaphoid proximal pole is Prizer's disease. Muscles and motor function. The abductor digiti minimi. increases the span of grasp and assists with flexion of the fifth metacarpal. The opponent's digiti minimi rotates and draws the fifth metacarpal anteriorly. The adductor pollicis adducts the thumb to the palm. The adductor pollicis is your power grasp and it inserts into the extensor mechanism to assist with thumb extension. The lumbar coals have a moving side of origin. The abductor pollicis brevis originates from the trapezium and transverse carpal ligament and inserts on the proximal phalanx and extensor mechanism of the thumb. The abductor pollicis brevis helps extend the thumb to zero degrees. The opponent's pollicis inserts on the body of the first metacarpal and rotates the thumb medially. The first dorsal interossei assist with thumb abduction and plays a significant role for writing and typing. The palmaris brevis wrinkles the skin on the ulnar side of the palm. MCP collateral ligaments are loose in extension and tight in flexion. This is why it's important for a metacarpal fracture to be splinted with MCP flexion at least 60 to 70 degrees. Ulnar intrinsic muscle contraction are a secondary cause of ulnar drift in RA the true cause is unknown. The cubital fossil, the the lateral border includes the brachioradialis and the medial border includes the pronator teres. Quadrangular space is bordered by the teres minor superiorly and the teres major inferiorly. The humerus laterally the triceps medially, the axillary nerve, and posterior circumference artery pass through this space. So the quadrangular space is in the shoulder and it's bordered by the teres minor superiorly, the teres major inferiorly, the humerus laterally, and the triceps medially. The quadrangular space has the axillary nerve and the posterior circumflex artery passes through the radial artery path branches from the radial artery at the elbow flexion crease at the wrist it goes to a palmar branch that passes volarly through the thenar muscles forming the superficial palmar arch it continues through the snuff box and divides to the first dorsal interosseous muscle, forming the dorsal carpal arch and smaller branch, and then goes volarly forming the deep palmar arch. So the radial artery forms the superficial palmar arch the dorsal carpal arch and the deep palmar arch. The Steinler procedure is a muscle to tendon transfer to improve function after a C5 to C6 brachial plexus injury. The entire flexion origin is elevated with a piece of medial epicondyle. The unit is then transferred to the anterior humerus with a screw. With the Steinler procedure, the patient will gain immediate tenodesis effect where when they pronate, it consequently creates elbow flexion. Post-surgery, the patient is immobilized to 100 degrees flexion for four to six weeks. Again, the Steinler procedure is a muscle to tendon transfer to improve function of the, after a C5 to C6 brachial plexus injury, allowing for elbow flexion to be performed. Hands replanted after a transmetacarpal amputation often develop an intrinsic minus posture, so a claw hand. This is due to the intrinsic muscles or too injured to be repaired. The distal portion becomes ischemic. It causes loss of muscle function and can scar the intrinsic tendons in a lengthened position. Treatment includes an anti-claw splint applied at four weeks post-op and discharged at 12 weeks. So again, hands replanted after a transmetacarpal amputation will often develop an intrinsic minus posture so post-surgery they need to be placed in an anti-claw splint at four weeks and continued until 12 weeks post-op the space of poirier this is a weak area due to absent ligmatous support of the lunate capitate articulation the space of poirier is the cause for lunate dislocations during high velocity injuries. The external rotation lag sign. If the if the lag sign is positive, it indicates tears of the supraspinatus and infraspinatus. The external rotation lag sign is performed by external rotation, abduction uh, abduction in 20 degrees while the therapist is supporting the wrist. The examiner then lets go of the wrist. If the patient is unable to maintain external rotation and the form lags into internal rotation, the sign is positive. Remember, infraspinatus functions for external rotation and the supraspinatus completes the first 30 degrees of abduction. So if they are unable to hold this position, after being placed there passively, then this could indicate a tear of the supraspinatus and infraspinatus and is known as the external rotation lag sign. The adductor pollicis is the strongest of the intrinsic muscles. Ulnar nerve innervation of the hand includes the FCU, FDP to the small finger and ring finger, the hypothenar muscle group, the volar and dorsal interosseous muscles, the adductor pollicis, the FPB, and the lumbricals of the third through fifth digit. So again, the ulnar nerve innervation of the hand includes the FCU, the FDP to the small finger and ring finger, the hypothenar muscle group, the volar and dorsal interosseous muscles, the adductor pollicis, the FPB, and the lumbricals of the third through the fifth digit. Some tests that you will see indicative of an ulnar nerve injury include the Froment sign, which is where the examiner holds the paper and has the patient pinch, performing a key pinch. The Froment sign is positive when the patient cannot hold the paper due to weak abductor pollicis. A gene sign may also be present. A gene sign is where MCP hyperextension due to weakened abductor pollicis. So you will see a thumb collapse at the MCP is a gene sign. Wartenberg's is where the patient is unable to adduct the small finger due to interosseous muscle weakness. The cross finger test is inability to cross index finger and middle finger due to interosseous muscle weakness. So for ulnar nerve injury, you can test looking for a Fromitz sign, a Jean sign, Wartenbergs, and the cross finger test because you are testing the interosseous muscles and also looking at the adductor pollicis. Arterial insufficiency signs include pallor, which is lack of color, decreased temperature, pain, slow capillary refill, and loss of pulse. This is different from venous insufficiency signs, which include cyanosis, or bluish discoloration, and abnormal capillary refill. So arterial insufficiency signs will include polar, which is lack of color, and decreased temperature. And venous insufficiency will have cyanosis, which is bluish discoloration, and abnormal uh, capillary refill. All right, a boutonniere. A boutonniere is presented as PIP flexion and DIPJ hyperextension. This is caused because of the landsmere ligament tightness. The landsmere ligament is also known as the ORL. So this tightness causes the DIP hyperextension. A boutonniere injury occurs with a hyperflexion injury of the PIP. The central slip and the triangular ligament are torn. Therefore, the lateral bands migrate volarly. To correct a boutonniere, a dolphin tenotomy may be performed. This is also known as a distal phallus. Fowler tenotomy. A tenotomy means to divide a tendon. It is performed to improve DIP flexion when the PIP is supple and passively correctable. A swan neck deformity is dorsal displacement of the lateral bands resulting in PIP hyperextension and DIP flexion. You will have intrinsic tightness due to the lateral bands tightening. You'll have loss of FDS tendon, and eventually, volar plate laxity develops. So for a boutonniere, it's gonna be a central slip issue. For a swan neck, it's gonna be a volar plate issue. Lacertis fibrosis. This is also known as the bicipital aponeurosis. The lacertus is a fibrous band that originates from the biceps brachii tendon. It is tightened with pronation. It, is, it performs active flexion of the elbow in conjunction with pronation, and it may contribute to compression at the median nerve. So if a patient has increased symptoms, uh, median nerve symptoms, when performing active flexion of the elbow while the forearm is pronated, then they may have a compression at the lacertus. Hook of the hamate fracture is a common injury in racket sports, golf, baseball, and direct blows to the palm of the hand. For example, workers using the palm to close paint cans. For hook of the hamate fractures, x-rays often are negative. CT scans are more accurate. A treatment for a minimally displaced hook-of-the-handmate fracture includes an ulnar gutter cast for three weeks followed by an ulnar gutter splint. A treatment for a displaced hook of a handmate fracture includes excision or an ORIF. Excision will result in Approximately a fifteen percent grip strength loss. The common flexor origin muscles include the pronator teres, the flexor carpi radialis, the FDL.